if we have decided that somebody is going to be able to repay us something and we want to give them attention because of that or a higher position or higher regard, James warns, you've missed out on mercy and tossed aside love. For you, I will toss aside mercy and love. Regardless of ethnicity, race, age, what they have done, what they will do, who they are or who they will be, God does not show favoritism. No one can pay him anything. And so God judges without favoritism, and God pardons and distributes mercy without favoritism. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country. September 22, 2019. James 2, 1-13. There's an interesting video on YouTube that shows a guy who sets out with a hidden camera to review and to show how people respond to a person, depending on whether they're wealthy or poor in appearance. And so what he does is he sets a hidden microphone and a hidden camera along the sidewalk, and for every single woman that he meets, he tries to break up a conversation and eventually Ask them if they'll come with him on a date. Naturally, as one might suppose, when those women see this stranger on the sidewalk wearing sloppy clothes, a lot of them don't even give him the time of day and nonetheless want to carry in a conversation with him. Of course, then things change. When he pulls out of his pocket a set of car keys and clicks on that button and the Lamborghini across the curb clicks and then he hops into his car, then the camera shows a, a change in the attitude and, and tone of the woman that we're talking with him. He doesn't even have to say most of the time, you sure you don't want to come along with me? But they actually begin to ask him if they can join him for a ride. But by then it's too late. He simply says to them, you didn't like me then, now it's too late. Favoritism plagues every circle. It's not just seen in the dating world, it's seen in the classroom, it's seen in the business world, it's seen on the sales floor, it's seen in family. And we see this morning how favoritism even comes up in a place where you'd hope and expect to never find it, in the church. That's what we see in James chapter 2, is we see James dealing with Christians, showing favoritism among one another. So this morning as we look at James chapter 2, we see just how big of a problem it is and how it is to be avoided. James, as he writes, begins by writing to, as he says, the 12 scattered tribes of Israel, scattered among the nations. Now, when you read that, you might think, well, this maybe doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm not Israel. He's probably talking to them. But you look at who James addresses. His readers are, as he says, my brothers, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. The brothers and sisters he writes to are those who are believers in Jesus, part of the family of God. Just as we read and studied last week how Israel is not all Israel, but rather those who through faith trust in Jesus, James writes to you and I, Israel through faith, as the family of God. And that makes us closer than any bloodline or any ethnic connection. We, in fact, are more united than any are united in any group, 
not by race, ethnicity, age, social status, economic status, or anything. We, who are, as James says, brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, are united as a family of God. And through faith, we belong to one another and to our God. If there's any place you would say that you'd expect you, you wouldn't find someone finding favor or special attention one and over another, wouldn't it be in the church? And if there's any place where you would feel that you belong just as much as anyone else belongs, wouldn't it be in the place where you gather together with God's people as a body of believers united in faith? But James writes to Christians who struggled with this. Could you imagine if this morning somebody pulled up into church in an expensive sports car and I ran out and gave them special greeting and attention while I at the same time dismissed someone who came walking down the street looking homeless? Examples, almost ridiculous. It's so obvious that I'm showing favoritism. Favoring one who has wealth over another. Well, that's the same example that James is giving when he depicts an example here in his book and he warns against Favoritism is sometimes obvious, and yet we are blinded to the very fact that it takes place among us. James, when he writes, deals with favoritism in the church. And of course, the temptation is there to show favor one over another because of wealth or poverty. And that can take place in the church. But doesn't favoritism also take place in many other arenas? Consider how it takes place even in the family. For example, we have someone like Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac, who favored his son Esau, the hunter, and his wife Rebecca favoring her son Jacob, the chef. And if you read in Scripture, you see what sort of trouble, animosity, and division this caused in their family. And of course, you'd think, Perhaps Jacob would have learned his lesson, but no, Jacob too shows favoritism in his family to his son Joseph. And once again, we see the division, the strife, the pain that is caused because of special favor showered on one over another. But favoritism also takes place, doesn't it, in the classroom? As one teacher decides they're going to shower one student with more praise and attention than another. What division this causes? Or maybe within the class, as one student decides that they are going to hang out with one student, but not the unpopular one. Or because someone is dressed a certain way all throughout high school, they are favored against and over another who's dressed another way. Don't we see favoritism in the workplace when the boss decides one person who he's deemed more physically attractive is going to get more favors than the others? Favoritism happens on the sales floor. Favoritism happens, need I even mention, sadly, as the thing that practically drives everything within the realm of politics. And favoritism happens in the church. So James warns, so we must be aware. What happens when somebody, because they have more connections and family influence in the church, is able to get away with more before they're rebuked than others? Is that not favoritism? What happens when one person joins a church and they're made to feel like they don't quite yet belong in the group as the others do? Or what happens when somebody, 
because they give more generously than others, feels that they ought to have a greater say in the affairs of the congregation and the decision-making. Is that not favoritism? It can creep into any arena. Maybe someone might say, well, what's wrong with favoritism? Isn't, isn't it just the way that things work? After all, we have to decide who we're going to give attention to and who we're going to show favor to. And so if somebody shows a little favoritism, is that really a problem? We are blinded often to favoritism. That's what James warns against. He says, listen, dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are not they the ones dragging you into court? Are not they slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? In James' time, the the Christians in the congregation were so blinded by their favoritism that they did not even see. They were missing out on what really was important. Justice, the gospel, God's election, and those who had faith and those who didn't, and those who belonged to the kingdom and those who opposed it. They were so blinded by their favoritism that they forgot what truly mattered. So we, when when we chase after seeking favors or showing special attention and are swayed by those things, we begin to lose sight of what truly matters. Still, someone could say, well, is favoritism really that bad? James says, if you do this, have you not discriminated among yourselves? and become judges with evil thoughts. See, favoritism is not just the thing we do. It's not just some lesser sin. James says it is, behind it, evil thoughts. Favoritism is sin. All kinds of favoritism, whether it be on the basis of age or ethnicity or on the basis of wealth or anything, it is sin. And James warns, don't think it is a lesser sin. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted as a lawbreaker. James goes on to say, don't think that that's some lesser sin. If you break any part of God's law, whether it be adultery or murder, you're guilty of breaking all of it. That is to say, if a person has shown favor, of one person over another, given special attention and dismissed another person. They have shown favoritism. They have broken God's law. The favoritism, what's behind it? Is it not a lack of grace? What's behind favoritism? Is it not a loveless desire to gain from someone else what you want? Is that not manipulation? The opposite of love. So James warns against those who show favoritism. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. The law that gives freedom is the perspective we ought to have at God's law. When he says, do not show favoritism, do not discriminate among yourselves, we ought to see that as good. We ought to see God's law and delight in his law and say, this is, is right and pleasing to our God, that we show no favoritism and that we strongly rebuke it and watch out for it. And James' this warning perhaps comes at the end because 
Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. If you or I have shown special attention and dismissed someone else because it gives us what we seek, James warns that is lacking mercy. If we have decided that somebody is going to be able to repay us something and we want to give them attention because of that or a higher position or higher regard, James warns, you've missed out on mercy and tossed aside love. For you, I will toss aside mercy and love. This is a strong warning. But James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Yes, favoritism plagues every circle. Who can say that they have not given special attention and dismissed somebody else? Who can say that they have never shown favoritism? Favoritism may plague every human circle, but it does not enter the mind of our God. God who judges equally and equally says all lawbreakers are lawbreakers is the same God who says Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's the same God who does not distinguish when he looks upon this world of people who selfishly show favoritism. He does not say, you I favor and you I will help. But rather, God so loved the world. It is this entire world of selfish, self-serving, self-motivated people that God favored. And for this entire world of sinners showing favoritism, God showed mercy. Mercy without distinction. A message and a gift for all nations and all people, regardless of ethnicity, race, age, what they have done, what they will do, who they are or who they will be. God does not show favoritism. No one can pay him anything. And so God judges without favoritism and God pardons and distributes mercy without favoritism. God, who has no partiality, came to this world to lift up and forgive each and every one of us. I was born a beggar before him. You were born a beggar with nothing to offer. But God gave us, who had nothing, the riches of his kingdom. God, who saw nothing good in us, gave himself for us on the cross, removing our sin. And God, who saw that we deserved nothing from him and could give him nothing, gave us everything with forgiveness and eternal life. And this same God who shows no favoritism equally lifts us all up in his sight. In him there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. He does not show favoritism on the basis of anything. But we who are in Christ brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, are one and belong to Christ because of his rich mercy without favoritism, freely showered on you. That makes us the family of God, a family which from God knows no favoritism, but only grace and mercy. You know, there was a man who a couple years ago was gathered with his fellow brothers and sisters and he was getting frustrated because they wouldn't listen to him when the congregation was making an important decision. Finally, he blurted out in front of all of them, why do I even give 
to this congregation if nobody's going to listen to me. Of course, at that very moment, the thoughts of his heart were revealed. He was not giving in response to a merciful God, but giving with partiality and to gain something for himself. In his frustration, he revealed the hearts that we all struggle with. And as his thoughts were revealed, so will every thought of favoritism be revealed in the end by our judge. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Though we stand guilty at times of showing favor or having evil thoughts, our God freely shows mercy on us so that we now belong as the glorious family of believers. We are family. And we belong to our God. And it's all because of His grace. And in the family of grace, favoritism has no place. Amen. Amen.